0: Welcome to Hedge Fund Tips with Tom Hayes. I'm Tom Hayes, and this is your 135th videocast, 125th podcast for the week ending May 19th, 2022. What a week on the one hand. On the other hand, I think I've got some good news to share with you. So first, we'll do the media spots real quick. I want to thank Liz Klayman and Ellie Terrett for having me on Fox Business, the Clayman Countdown on Tuesday. We're going to go into that in more detail in the article of the week. I want to thank Mitch Hawk for having me on Benzinga uh, earlier in the week uh, to talk about uh, all different things. This was a long and wide-ranging interview. It's interesting, um, my dad always talks about these interviews with Mitch Hawk on Benzinga. I think it's because uh, you know Mitch can give me 20, 30 minutes and uh, uh, he makes it very interesting. So if you haven't listened to that, want to know our latest thoughts, definitely check it out. Uh, Thanks to Mitch for that. Next, I want to thank Steve Goldstein for including me in his article on MarketWatch today. This was about the liquidation of Melvin Capital, which we covered in our article of the week. And he quoted a number of things from our article. Um, And I'm saying, you know, basically, they say they don't ring a bell at the top of the market. Well, they also don't ring a bell at the bottom of the market. But I will say... Given all the forced liquidations and unnatural selling, I do think that yesterday's letter uh, from Glenn Plotkin to his investors saying they're basically closing shop may in fact be near ringing the bell uh, for the short-term bottom and an ability on a company-by-company and sector-by-sector basis to start to get exposure on these things that were unnaturally sold off. And uh, he also quoted, um, you know, uh, if you were wondering why Amazon, Expedia, Uber were selling off like they're going out of business when exact when exactly the opposite is true. They are leaders in their fields. Now, you know, and it wasn't just um, uh, Melvin Capital. It was also Tiger Global uh, unwinding about 20 billion dollars of tech bets, a lot of China tech. So a lot of that unnatural selling in China tech was also these firms having to raise capital for redemptions and uh, and panic selling uh, in the whole. Uh, and I said, the acute pain is now likely in the rearview mirror. Now that the source of the clog has been revealed, we may get a few aftershocks, but the cat is out of the bag at this point. And of course I got, uh, you know, several calls asking what other friends are going to blow up. And the answer is by the time this stuff is public, all the liquidations have happened. Uh, and that's why I think we could be close to ringing the bell. No one says, uh, dear investors, I'm gonna start liquidating your stocks now and then all of my competitors go into the, uh, see the public filings, see all the holdings of, of the big funds and they just start firing against you. You never wanna do that. And these guys are too smart for that. I uh, also want to thank Suzanne O'Halloran for including me in her article on Fox Business last week. Uh, this was off the appearance uh, with Liz Claimant on the claimant Countdown last Thursday. Uh, the tech stocks have been taken out to the woodshed. Uh, are on fears of excessively high rates uh, never ending. Uh, Hayes sees a silver lining to the latest tightening cycle from 2000 that started in 2015 to 16. I think we're seeing a similar situation that the fear of tightening was and will be far more painful than the actual tightening itself. I think what you, you've seen in the last 48 hours is actually very constructive in that the 10-year yield is actually backed off from the 320 peak, uh, settling at three, uh, 281. And today it's at 283, by the way. This is a key theme. If you remember a month ago, I was saying, if you wanna know when biotech and China tech is gonna take off, let me know when the 10-year yield stabilizes below three. And I think we're starting to see that now. And that's why three out of the last four sessions Tech and biotech have been the top two performers on the day. Uh, although it's been nothing to write home about in terms of their performance, uh, they have been the top two greens in, in any green day for the last week. And that's consistent with what? It's consistent with the 10-year yield peaking last Tuesday at 3.20 early in the morning. Uh, I want to thank uh, Sagarika Jaz- Jazgani uh, and Michael Miska. So Sagarika Jasgani. J- Jai Ghani and Michael Miska for including me in their article on uh, Bloomberg about, uh, okay, Oppenheimer has been time, Uh, old school value tech, so I'm just quoting about value tech, Intel, etc. Might be some opportunities there. Uh, I want to thank Ellen Chang for including me in her her article on the street. Uh, This was about Buffett's purchases. I said, uh, as for Buffett buying Oxy, I wouldn't make too much of it. Historically, he's avoided investing in commodity stocks. Today, he sees it as a hedge against inflation and a potential supply demand imbalance. By the way, all those things that he historically were, was against uh, that he decided to dip his toes in have always hurt him. So, uh, give you an example of airlines. Uh, he bought a ton of airlines before the pandemic, and everyone was like, why is he buying airlines? He always said, you know, something to the effect, the quickest way to become a millionaire is start with a billion and, and buy airlines. Um, so why was he buying airlines? And then what happened at the bottom of the pandemic? He was puking all the airlines out. So he's never like commodity businesses because it's just that. There's no moat. Uh, there's no moat. They're a price taker, et cetera this is basically an inflation hedge for him rather than buying gold or real estate or um, uh, you know oil barrels or, or futures uh, he likes productive assets so he's just buying this as a levered long play against inflation to hedge his portfolio out uh, but the purchase of allegheny corp big insurance company 11.6 billion uh activision blizzard he bought that before he, he knew that was a deal that was one name that i talked about on the claim and countdown before anyone knew it was a deal it was just a beaten down tech stock and then hp inc was also value tech that's what buffett's been doing and he's put a third of his cash to work since the beginning of the year 50 billion dollars watch what he does not what he says while everyone else is puking and getting liquidated he's in the market buying i uh, want to thank herb lash for including me in his article on reuters Uh, Usually when you're near a low in the market and you've got five Fed speakers, they're generally not there to talk the market down. And that was the case. After they spoke, the market ripped. Uh, Then yesterday, everyone said that the market collapsed because of Target. I think that's absolutely not true. I think the market collapsed largely uh, because of the Melvin Capital wind down. Little did they realize that that was all done before he put the letter out. It was yesterday's news. And uh, people are you know I got calls today from reporters asking what's the next fund to blow up I said look that's yesterday's news you already know what happened Melvin was kind of ringing the bell at the bottom you've seen the pain entire global you know all that the, the tech concentrated funds they've had their redemptions and um, and it's yesterday's news I think the selling is exhausted and that's why you're starting to see a bid in China tech. And biotech and all the things that have been forced out of people's hands, unnaturally, irrespective of fundamentals, uh, have now run out of sellers. Now the question is, do buyers step in? And uh, with the amount of cash levels on the sidelines, they'll, they'll start stepping in once it's running away from them. And we'll talk about that uh, in the context of the pain trade a lot today. Um, I got another call from Bansari Kumdar about Buffett's buys. I said "City is one of the cheapest stocks in the market. Uh, with Buffett blessing, it should finally get the interest it deserves and attract some buying interest in coming weeks and months. That traded down close to 50% a book. I think that's always an opportunity to buy these companies in uh, banks, high quality uh, money center banks, when they trade at such a significant discount to book, which rarely happens. Uh, it's a low, lower quality business than than its peers, but the margin of safety is so high. Uh, you could certainly take a, le- a nibble i don't think it's going to be a home run but uh, you could certainly wind up making 30 40 percent uh, on that type of thing over a couple of years so uh, quoted in reuters uh amruta kandikar noel Randowicz, and devic jane thanks for including me yesterday uh and this was they were asking about target what people are worried about after seeing target is will more earnings estimates have to be taken down consumer sentiment is in multi-year lows and it's tied at the hip with inflation so people are looking for signs of inflation moderating and target did not give them any today uh, so that was the, the thing du jour quote of the day. The stock market is a story of cycles and human behavior that is ir- that is responsible for overreactions in both directions. So now we've seen the overreaction to the downside. I think we're going to see one to the upside and no one's positioned for it. We're going to talk about positioning in just a second. Also, Peter Lynch, the key to making money in stocks is not to get scared out of them. I think this has been a perfect environment for that. Now, if you're in crappy stocks and you haven't done your homework that are trading at high valuations, it's probably good if you got scared out of them. But if you're in high quality businesses with large margin of safety that are temporarily, not permanently impaired due to exogenous events, and they, when they revert back to trend, they're still trading at a meaningfully discounted multiple to their historic range, uh, then, then you've got to sit through periods uh, and not get scared out of the high-quality businesses with proven, demonstrated track records of earnings power. Here's just one more uh, thing Carter posted on uh, uh, PMO by NDX. We've gone over all the NASDAQ indicators that are totally oversold and ready to bounce, uh, and this is just one more of them. We're not going to go through them again this week. Stock market's best hope this year is for companies to return some of their $7.1 trillion cash pile to investors, Bank of America says. So they're talking about all the cash on the balance sheet and the buyback opportunities coming in. I think you are going to see that. I also think you're going to see a lot of private equity uh, powder that's been dry start to come in aggressively and buy some of these things up. That will rekindle animal spirits like we're seeing in biotech with Pfizer buying Biohaven last week, kind of lit the switch on the sector. Wait till you get a couple drug, drug approvals. The sector is going to be off to the races. Uh, food prices we've been talking about in recent weeks. Everyone's saying they're going through the moon. They're going to break out. And in fact, uh, we, we took the other side of that based on commercial positioning. And what we're seeing now, soybean prices look set to decline. That could help put a dent in food costs. So this is just, uh, this is the exception of an article. Two months from now, we're going to see this is the rule. Uh, Fed's Bullard says markets have priced in the central bank tightening. That was a headline for our podcast four or five weeks ago when we said the two years at 271. I'd be surprised if the Fed fund rates gets over two to 225. So we've overpriced probably by 50 basis points. I agree with Bullard for the first time in a while moving right along 10-year treasury yield may have peaked it makes stocks look better two weeks ago when i was saying look for the peak uh look where commercials are positioned this is overdone now it's backed off from 320 it had that final blow off now it's been at 280 to 290 the last week or so it stabilized the key is that it stopped going up it went from 137 to 220 in five and a half months that is crazy town and just like June of 2018 where it peaked at 325 and January of 2014 where it peaked at 303, I think we're probably closer to a peak than not. And the key is the rate of change has, has uh, cooled down. Fame tech bull Dan Ives sees investors should buy these 22 stocks to make a diversified portfolio of future winners that emerge from the massive overcorrection that is slamming the sector. So, you know, Dan Ives is a tech analyst. It's like never ask your barber if you need a haircut. That said, I do agree with him this time, uh and he's you know basically laying out the basic fang apple microsoft Tesla he calls on Amazon trading like it's going out of business I'm telling you one thing i don't know if it goes to fifteen hundred but you know, a handful of years when it's at five or 7,000 and people say, yeah, I could have bought that at 2100, but I was really scared because they had built up too much capacity during the pandemic because everyone was ordering everything from home and they actually bought a few too many warehouses and they had to pair back in 2002 and the stock was down like 30, 40%. And everyone said it was going to be a big big problem. I didn't buy it at twenty one hundred. Now it's at seven thousand. So I think that's the kind of story you're going to see. Yeah, down thirty three percent year to date. It's probably more than that. I think the last bit of uh, uh, Melvin Capital's uh, tranche came out uh, came out of the came onto the market last week. It probably got down closer to forty percent. That won't be for long. It's just these are basically monopolistic businesses with monster moats that will that are just um, trading like they're uh, a smaller penny stock. Uh, and they're not same thing with Alphabet, <coughs> same thing with Oracle, Adobe, Palo Alto, Checkpoint, Zscaler. I'm not so sure about Fortinet. Not so sure about not not because I have a, a view one way or another. I just don't know them well. CrowdStrike. So he's got a bunch of others here. But you you get the basic theme, um, and uh, and we tend to agree. Value tech. Home Depot sees record first quarter sales. The stock is rising. So Home Depot had the same problems. They still had to ship their stuff to the store. They still had to deal with labor costs they still had to deal with everything else that target had to deal with why isn 't why didn 't Home Depot crash forty percent because it was better managed that 's the bottom line. It was better managed the management saw it better they 've consistently outperformed. Target had their head in the sand they missed the boat uh, but they 'll recover quickly i mean they 've got a huge history of strong operating uh, ability and uh, they just you know they missed they missed a pitch. It happens to everyone you miss a turn you miss a zig you miss a zag. The world goes on, you correct your mistake, you come back bigger, bad, or stronger. I'm sure Target will as well. Same thing with Walmart, by the way. Walmart, I don't know if it's yet, maybe takes a couple of months because people are so pessimistic about it, but that's probably gonna set up to be a, a really beautiful long-term buy entry for Walmart in the next couple of months. United Airlines stock rises as travel demand continues to improve. Um, you know, That's more of the story. Um, Consumer is strong. I mean, you know, people are saying that the consumer is dying on the vine. You just when you look at the data, it's simply not the case. There's sentiments in the toilet because of inflation. But uh, I think that uh, we may get some breaks on that because no one's positioned for it. And we're going to talk about that in a second. Iran says it can double oil exports if market needs more barrels. Uh, this is code for give me money. I want a large brown paper bag delivered by an air, you know, uh, cargo plane with a with pallets full of cash on it. America has not agreed to that yet, probably because they're still focused on the war, which they've, you know, been ineffectual in either getting Putin taken out or getting something resolved. Uh, but, you know, if and when they get. Some movement on the war which no one's positioned for right now with the level of pessimism uh, this deal will probably come within days or weeks afterwards but probably not now buffett spends big as stock market sells off everyone was selling buffett was putting 50 billion dollars to work jeffrey says it's now bullish on hard-hit tech stocks and details its favorite names and preferred industries we agree again they're going for the basic value tech we've been talking about hewlett Packard. Cisco, Applied Materials, Global Payments, Lam Research, Juniper. I mean, you know, basket of these you really can't go terribly wrong I think at these levels. And um Marco Kolanovic, by the way, he not only came out as bullish, which, you know, broken record, but the guy's been right forever, so you got to give him some credit. He made a couple, you know, little early, happens to all of us, not the end of the world, as long as you don't puke at the bottom. Um and um but what he's emphasizing right now is biotech and China tech. I'm pretty sure he gets my notes, by the way. But I think he's also a smart enough guy he figured it out on his own. Um, he tends to like to traffic in the areas that are out of favor as well. Stay overweight China. Um, and where's the biotech? If it's in this note or in maybe it was in the Bloomberg note. But uh, I was really happy to see uh says stocks can climb out of this hole believes there'll be no recession this year i agree might be one next year um uh some summer increase in consumer activity on the back of reopening china increasing monetary and fiscal measures which we've been talking about for weeks and uh this already happened this year China, Colorado, okay. And bullish point of view. Okay, see significant opportunity in innovation, biotech, and international growth shares. So he's basically talking about biotech and China tech. Because there are no international growth shares outside of China, pretty much. So... um Maybe some other, maybe some Brazil stuff. That'll probably be in two months. He'll come come out on Brazil. Time to buy information tech stocks, says Jeffries. We went over that. Taiwan semiconductors building a multi-billion dollar chip plant in Singapore. Telling you all these fabs are going up. They don't go up overnight. But what is currently a glut is, I'm sorry, what is currently a shortage in 18 to 24 months is going to be a glut. Mark my words on that. And the uh, auto, auto, Uh, suppliers to the OEMs that are trading like death right now. Uh, These things have massive operating leverage built in. I haven't talked about the one that we built a significant position in because it's a very small company and I don't want to go into it at this stage. Uh, Well, it was a very big company. Now it's a small company. It's going to be a very big company again. But I will say uh, one of our loyal listeners and viewers may have helped you out because he sent a ask me anything, he said, uh, quote, uh, read your be-in-the-know key reads for Saturday. Thank you for the hint. I'm not going to say any more about that, but if you ever meet Mark Messer in person, you can thank him if you figured it out. Moving right along, uh, internet stocks rally, China's weight to increase in the MSCI emerging markets indices. That's a big deal. This is from uh, Brendan Ahern that runs the K-Web Fund. He put this out as showing how China's weight in the emerging market is actually going to increase. So meaning managers will have to buy more China moving forward. China cuts mortgage rates to counter collapse in home sales. Interest rate on loans for first time home buyers cut nationwide. PBOC acts to support housing market and economic demand. They're doing all this. And guess what? Coronavirus, this is from the South China Morning Post. Shanghai to gradually reopen malls, supermarkets, restaurants, and barbershops from Monday. That was four days ago as daily cases dropped to their lowest level in 52 days. Authorities have also doubled down on lockdowns, however, ordering standstill orders in specific districts as the clock ticks towards May 20th, societal zero COVID deadline. Uh, which the, So that's tomorrow. They have a goal to have zero COVID. And their plan is to reopen everything June 1st. On Saturday, China's overall new cases and symptomatic cases were both down by more than 10 percent from earlier. Shanghai lays out COVID-19 reopening plan as China cancels 2023 soccer tournament. Residents in China's financial hub express skepticism. They should. They've been locked in their houses for two months. Um, But now it looks like it's reopening. They have no choice. I mean, the people, the the natives are getting restless, so to speak, and... They got to do this. They're getting too close to November, et cetera. China rate cut in focus as economy counts cost of COVID zero. So they're looking for a rate cut. I think that decision would be made tomorrow. Uh, Five expected. Okay, let's see. Jobless rate. Here's a look at the rate decision indicators, which are due Monday. 13 of the 25 economists polled by Bloomberg expect. The rate on the one year medium term lending facility to stay unchanged uh, at 2.85 of the 12 forecasting reduction five expect to see five basis points six expect to see 10 basis point reduction and only one predicts the rate uh, to be slashed by 15 basis points so. Uh, the key is more stimulus. And the beauty is they're doing all this, like I've said consistently, they've got the red Ferrari. I mean, they're the second largest economy in the world. They've been pumping it full of fiscal stimulus, all these cuts, all of the, the stimulus, all of this infrastructure spend since November. The problem is for the last two and a half months, they've locked down a large part of their productive population. So they keep putting gasoline and nitrous oxide into this Ferrari and they keep flooring the gas, but they've uh, they're... Equally pounding down on the brake at the same time, so you're just burning rubber standing in place. Once the door is open and this thing is fully. Open. It's starting to be reopened now. Once it's fully reopened in coming weeks, this Ferrari is going to rip, and you're going to see numbers start to beat expectations like it's going out of style. And the economic surprise index for China uh, will be through the charts. My guess is the highest in 12 months. Shanghai lockdown city counts to down towards June one end of controls as daily COVID cases dip below a thousand for the first time since March. Uh, JD. This is interesting. Tell the two cities. So 10 cent. Um, uh, reported flat year-on-year revenues uh, it was all attributable to advertising revenue plummeted they've got a big advertising business I guess like Google and um, you know with all the small businesses shut down in China in Shanghai there was no reason for the those advertisers to advertise so I think that was a temporary temporary impairment but JD is more like a Alibaba in that they do the online retailing JD revenue grew 18% despite the China lockdowns. So I think we might be surprised with Alibaba's earnings that uh, they did a lot of business to people locked down and they didn't get quite as uh, impaired uh, while the Chinese economy was crushed during the shutdown. So uh, now this is funny. If you remember the JP Morgan analyst that came out a couple of months ago called J- China uninvestable on the day that Alibaba hit 75%. Um, downgraded everything, and now they're doing a complete about-face, upgrading 15 companies in just two months after their bearish report uh, on the industry triggered a market sell-off and a bout of internal hand-wringing at the biggest U.S. bank, etc., etc., etc. How this guy still has a job is beyond me. God bless people's willingness to forgive uh, and forget, and uh, hopefully he'll learn something. That's the name of the game. Uh now here's JP Morgan's PR department JP Morgan's uninvestable call on China was published in error bank cut the label from most recent research notes before publication controversy underscores debate over investments in China it's it's uh, aka egg on your face JP Morgan says buy Tencent and Alibaba this is this is almost comical this is like what 6 weeks later JP Morgan now says buy Tencent and Alibaba. Why they're now positive on Chinese tech stocks. Why? Because opinion follows trend. That's that's why. China offers property buying perks to families with three kids. This has been my long-running criticism of China's future. I said that China's economy looks more like Japan did in 1989 because of demographics. Uh, because the one-child thing has caught up with them and they've got an aging population. And that's what set China, Japan... To, Uh, Behind, They don't have massive immigration like the U.S. does to offset the declining birth rate uh, and Europe has to a lesser extent. Uh, So now they're figured it out and they're correcting their mistakes. China's offering property buying perks to families with three kids. So maybe if they can ramp this up quickly. They could get a baby boom and their economy would hum for the next 10 years. But they got to start pumping out those babies like it's going out of style. Shanghai lockdown. City reaches milestone as it keeps community infections at zero for the third day, putting the city in route to June's reopening. This is really, really good news. We haven't been able to, like, fully drink it in because of all the forced liquidation going on in the U.S. And, you know, Tiger Global, you know, puked out a ton of China stocks the first quarter and probably there's some residual. But it's going to turn and when it turns people aren't going to be able to catch up because they're going to be so skeptical and there have been so many fake outs that when it finally runs they're not going to chase it they're going to say "Ah, if it comes back i'll, I'll buy it again and, and it'll never come back and the higher it goes the more it's going to come back and then they'll panic in around 190 200 uh and then there'll be a monster pull back to 160 before it goes to 300 that's that's exactly what's going to happen i mean no one can predict the future, but I've just seen this movie so many effing times. Uh, I can tell you this is how it works. So uh, China pledges to support tech companies after the market route. This was a big deal this week. Beijing's top, top economic officials hold, held meetings directly with the executives from Alibaba, Tencent. Li Hu, L- Lu He, the vice premier and President Xi Jinping's closest economic advisor, said China must support the platform economy sustain healthy development of the private economy. They're backing off on all the crackdowns, uh, et cetera, et cetera. They finally figured it out. They can't grow without their best companies growing. Chinese developer, and they can't get reelected if people are losing their jobs. Chinese developers get state help to tap bond market. It's just ongoing. They're panicking. Just as they panicked to crush their, their leaders last year, they're panicking to fix it this year. Shanghai opens for more bankers Shanghai opens for more bankers at offices as lockdowns ease. Uh, HSBC, JP Morgan, and local banks among firms to resume, op- resume full operations. Chinese banks may lower lending rates, giving relief to the economy. One year loan prime rate may be cut from 3.7 percent. Survey shows loan growth weakened sharply in April amid COVID lockdowns. So more cuts, more cuts, more stimulus, more stimulus. Not going to be felt till the foot's off the brake. The foot's starting to come off the brake. Bank of America Global Fund Manager Survey, 300 managers, a trillion dollars of assets. Here's what they said. First off, uh, consensus is 7.9 rate hikes. That's more than last, last month. I think that's going to prove to be overestimated. I think we'll be lucky if we get to 2 or 225. On the Fed funds rate this cycle um, uh, profit expectations fall further these are all this is what happens at every bottom October 08 pandemic lows now uh, just over and over people get pessimistic after price they get optimistic after price goes up they get pessimistic after price goes down uh, and that's why I got some you know uh, quite a number of media calls this week is because when things are down People think that what's happened in the recent past is gonna persist and when you tell them that, you know, we're probably closer to a bottom than anything else and here's why, they're just surprised by that. And um, and then, you know, three months later we compare notes and, and I think we're gonna be very, very pleased all around. So profit expectations fall just like it does at every bottom, there's nothing new. Uh, growth ec- es- estimates fall, pandemic low, the re- recession, great financial crisis, just over and over, this stuff just it. History does repeat, it rhymes and it also repeats. Um, okay, so, um, okay, this is the most important chart of this week. Um, positioning fund manager survey investors are bullish cash, healthcare, and commodities, bearish bonds, and cyclicals. Okay, so <clears throat> you remember, I said. I was talking in recent weeks when the 10-year yield was above 3, it got up to 320. I said, we're getting close to be buying bonds. While everyone else was puking out bonds last month, we think that's going to be the pain trade. The market is designed to cause the most pain to the most amount of people at any one point in time. If you learn nothing else from me ever, that is the most thing. The market is designed to cause the most pain to the most amount of people at any one point in time. Five months ago, in December, six months ago where was everyone panicking into tech what was going to cause the most pain to the most amount of people to have a tech correction we just had a major tech correction and it caused a lot of pain to a lot of people so what now uh, is going to cost the most pain to the most people well everyone's short bonds getting out of bonds i would say uh, no one's positioned for a rally in bonds that would rip people's faces off that's what's coming next uh, what else emerging market equities they're puking out of china they're going to rip their face off. They're, they're puking out of technology. What's going to be next? Value tech, they're going to rip their face off. What's going to be massive pain? People who are in cash. What does that mean? You've got highest cash balances for institutional investors since the great financial crisis and since 9-11-2001. What does that mean? It means that the market's going to move without them. They're not going to believe it because there have been a lot of fake outs on the way down. They're going to say this is a bull trap or whatever technical analysts call it, are going to say it's to suck you in. They're going to think it's one more fake out, and it's going to keep going and keep going. And they're going to say, no, 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 it's going to really... Collapse now and come back and retest the lows at least, and then all of a sudden we're going to be at new highs. And no one's thinking that because they're all in cash, they're all fearful, all the sentiment indicators are washed out. And what's the other one that they're overcrowded in that I keep talking about is commodities. No one wanted commodities in 2020. This is what commodities looked like in 2020. It was always the lowest thing, everyone was puking out of commodities. No one wanted it. What was the most pain to the most amount of people taking? energy from negative 30 to positive 120 over the next 18 months what's going to be the most pain in the next 18 months forcing people out of cash who are pet- petrified right now that have raised cash for liquidations that have got their face ripped off being in innovation stocks trading at 100 times sales with no earnings short on prom- short on profits long on promises and uh the second one is these these commodity people that are chasing inflation too late They're going to have their comeuppance. The the trapdoor is going to open. But I do think it's going to be a secular buy for three to five years when that comes up. So you can't time it perfectly. But just know you don't want to be chasing when everyone's crowded. You want to be buying what everyone's puked out. uh, Bonds, uh, China tech, biotech, some value tech, etc., etc., etc. This tells the whole story here. Positioning versus history. Tech was the biggest washout. Cash and commodities are the big, biggest panic in. Uh, those are going to be the ones that they rip their face off. I don't know if it's next week or if it's next month, but uh, this has gotten way too crowded. Uh, FMS investors, the most underweight equities since May 20th, uh, May, May of 2020 during the pandemic. Uh, no one wanted to buy. They all had huge cash. That was one of the biggest rallies over the next 18 months. Same thing's happening now. Uh, biggest tech short since August 2006. I covered this with Liz Klayman. This is huge. Okay. After August 26, the NASDAQ rallied uh, 42% in the next 18 months when you got to this level of pessimism on tech. So that kind of is the key. Most crowded trades is commodity long commodity, short treasuries. Everyone's chasing that. Take the other side of it. You'll win over time uh, in our view. Uh, biggest fear is a global recession, uh, and when everyone's looking for the same thing, is when you usually don't get it. I do think you'll have a shallow one next year, but we'll we'll see and be open-minded as the data comes in. The mystery liquidator revealed stock market and sentiment results. This is the article of the week. This is a take that very few people had, which is why it got picked up on Market Watch this morning, thanks to Steve Goldstein. And here we are. Last week, not only in my article of the week quote, the forced seller stock market and sentiment results, which you can click here. But in my appearance on Fox Business, the claim and countdown, I referenced the unnatural forced selling that was cascading and had to flush through the system before we found a bottom. Thanks to Liz Clayman and Ellie Terrett for having me on. I communicated that the selling was not natural, felt like a liquidation. Here were my notes ahead of the segment. Here are some key points. As the 10-year yield skyrocketed from 137 in December to 320 earlier this week, money's come out of crypto, innovation stocks, tech, biotech, and China tech. This is due to higher cost of margin. Margin calls on long-duration speculative assets as they decline in price and concentrated fund redemptions. I was saying this before any Melvin Capital letter and all this stuff came to bear. As yields stabilized, now down to 284, and now they're down to 282. I think you're going to start to see some stabilization in these groups with particular emphasis on biotech. Biotech followed the same pattern into the last tightening cycle from 2015 to 16. XBI fell 50% in anticipation of rate hikes in 2015 to 2016. From 2016 to 2018, while the Fed tightened from 25 basis points to 225 and started balance sheet roll-off, by the way, uh, XBI rose 140% off the lows this cycle XBI biotech fell 60% in anticipation of the tightening now that we have a couple hikes under our belt we may now be finding a bottom in the near term and as I said for the last week every green day tech and biotech have been the top two performers K and XBI every single day today is no exception so far so. Um, Pfizer buying Biohaven earlier this week for 11.6 billion may have ignited animal spirits in the group as big pharma uh, has a ton of cash coupled with impending patent clips. They will have to buy innovation from biotech sector to maintain and growth. Growth and boards were put on notice this week if they don't start buying these biotechs, their competitors will. Um, All right, we talked about inflation and base effects. May of last year was the biggest ramp in inflation year on year in a long time. So we're going to come up against tough comps, which means we'll probably get a decent CPI number, but that's not for three or four weeks. So we'll focus on that later. Uh, Multiple on the S&P 500, we'll cover that. We're down to 17 times 2022, 15 times 15 and a half times 2023. Compare that to 18.6 times for the last five years. That's the average. And you say, well, but, uh, you know, rates are going up, but rates are still lower than they were uh, um, in 2018 uh, during the last tightening cycle. And you had a much higher multiple, and tech did absolutely fine in that environment. So uh, you can't pick a bottom, but you can start to nibble on sectors that can perform in a slowing growth environment. That's why we like biotech in particular. And China tech, because... They're the only country in the world that is aggressively stimulating while the rest of the world is tightening. Cleaning the toilet. (laughs) We have now identified the clog in the toilet and the plunger may have finally freed up the problem on Wednesday. Gabe Plotkins, Melvin Capital, sent a letter to investors yesterday that he was liquidating the $7.8 billion. That's excluding a few turns of extra leverage, probably $20 billion fund. The thing about liquidation is that you don't send a letter until after you've done the selling or the vultures will come in and pick you off like a super slow warrior at a paintball park. Here are the key points of Wednesdays after the Bell announcement on Bloomberg. uh, More than a year after Gabe Plotkin's Melvin Capital Management was grievously injured in a short squeeze by amateur traders who organized on Reddit. The $7.8 billion hedge fund is giving up and shutting down. Plotkin's abrupt decision announced in a letter to clients on Wednesday ends his attempts at a long-shot comeback funded by some of Wall Street's biggest players. The effort showed the initial promise last year but unraveled in recent weeks as he wrapped up new losses and frustrated the backers with a short-lived plan to reimpose fees. As the firm unwinds, Plotkin outlined his plans to return investors to cash. Melvin has already, quote, materially reduced the funds exposure ie we're out of all the stuff don't even bother shooting against me i've already got the cash and will not be charging management fees as of june 1st potkin said in his letter at least 50 percent of investor cash will be redeemed by may 31st and the rest by june 30th so If you pull up each of the fund's holdings from the latest filing, you can see that the massive selling pressure from his liquidation and those who likely got a whiff and were shooting against him. It only takes a handful of his 30 analysts circulating their resumes to other funds to tell the whole story. And the word was out on the street and people were firing against him. Loose lips lips, sink ships and this was no different. If you were wondering why Amazon, Expedia, and Uber were selling off like they were going out of business when the exact opposite is true, they're leaders in their fields, now you know. Selling selling begets more selling, and no reading of financials or drawing squiggly lines on charts will give you an edge. You simply have to know the underlying businesses and wait for the mania, forced liquidation to end before the stock ultimately finds its level. In the short term, the market is a voting machine based on emotion. In the long term, it's a weighing machine based on fundamentals. So, with this news we may be there sure there may be other smaller liquidations and we know many of the tiger cub cubs have been selling billions of tech quote in the hole to meet redemptions but these guys don't wait around when they're out they want to beat their competition to the exit and it seems they all moved at once in april and early may the acute pain is now likely in the rearview mirror now that the source of the clog has been revealed. We may get a few aftershocks, but the cat is out of the bag at this point. So from the Financial Times, the disclosures on Monday were made in routine quarterly filings known as 13 Fs. They came after the Financial Times reported this month that Tiger Global had been hit by losses of about $17 billion during this year's tech sell-off, one of the biggest dollar declines for a hedge fund in history. Tiger Global told investors this month that its stock picking funds had suffered large losses, leaving them well below previous peaks. Tiger's Global main Tiger Global's main hedge fund fell 15.2% in April, bringing this year's losses to 43.7%. Another fund that only makes long stock investments in Tiger Global fell 51.7% between the start of the year and the end of April. When there, uh, Plotkin's, uh, Now, as far as Plotkin, uh, he simply, look, you got to have some, I would say, sympathy. I mean, he. He was a good manager for many years, had great returns, so I'm not trying to criticize anyone. I I am going to criticize him on one point in just a second, so for those of you who like negative stuff, stay tuned. But um, you know, he had great returns for many years, very smart guy, was a great short seller, um, but also knew how to pick stocks long. And you had a once-in-a-hundred-year event called a pandemic. You had probably once in 300 years where not only did the government do all-time massive stimulus but they actually sent it directly to people's pockets versus just bailing out a sector or an industry or elevating asset prices and hoping hoping that you get a trickle down they put it in people's pockets and then on top of that once in a hundred year event once in three hundred year event they then locked people in their house and said you have no way to earn money because you can't leave your house and so people said well how can I gamble oh wait there are no sports games to gamble on oh why don't I gamble on stocks and sure enough All these people got in. The problem is, is they got one or $2,000 or $3,000 checks from the government. And that's not an awful lot of money to buy stocks. So what did they do? They all bought options. The more options they bought, the more dealers uh, that sold to them had to buy the underlying stock to hedge out. That's why we saw the Archegos of the world. That's why we saw the GameStop of the world. That's why we saw the AMC of the world. And this guy just got caught in the middle of it. It would never happen, but it was a confluence of three events, a 100-year event, a 300-year event, and maybe a 500-year event all at once. And uh, so, you know, you have to feel a little bit of sympathy on that front. There's no question about it. Um, However, here's where I will criticize him. Uh, Plotkin simply didn't want to come out of pocket to pay the overhead while he worked back up to his high watermark to get paid to carry once again and by the way this guy charges a management fee so in other words he gets one or two percent probably two percent every year before he makes any money for his owners and his clients and what I call my bosses um, he gets two percent so he could have kept the lights on uh, he's just not willing to work for free and get no carry because he's got to, you know, if he's down fifty, he's got to earn a hundred percent over the next two years before he starts to get paid the twenty percent carry once again or whatever his carry is. And he didn't want to work for free for twenty years. So these guys do it over and over and over again. And that's why some people in the industry have a bad reputation because they shut down because they don't want to earn back their investors' money by working for free, which they they have to do. That that's the right thing to do. Um, and um, and then what happens is a year and a half from now, he'll open up a new shingle. It will be called Plotkin 2 or Melvin 1 or whatever the hell he wants to call it. And he'll go out and raise money and he'll be off to the races again. But um, it's the wrong thing to do. You know, if you're down, even though it's an exogenous event, crazy things happen you got to earn it back, and then you get paid again after you earn it back for your owners, for your investors, for your bosses. And this guy just took the easy way out, despite the fact he still had a management fee to pay his analysts. He could have cut his analysts in half, kept the thing going, and earned his way back. He has the skill set. He just didn't want to do it. He wants to get paid right away or go on vacation and then raise fresh and not have a high watermark. And uh, that, I will I will criticize that behavior. Uh Chase Coleman, on the other hand, he will come back and probably stronger than ever. It'll just take time. Go through this list. That's his holdings. And you'll see that no amount of fundamental or technical analysis would help with these elephants engaged in weeks upon weeks of forced selling. (coughs) Tiger had to puke out China Tech all quarter long. So if you were wondering why the selling felt unnatural and untethered from any fundamental or technicals as it relates to China Tech, now you know. By the time it is public, it is usually over, and it may very well be the case that we're there or close. The irony is that the time to invest in a great manager is when they are down and have to make up to their high watermark. If I were an institution looking to put money to work today, I'd be meeting with Tiger Global and Chase Coleman because I know they've got to be up 100% plus before they start getting paid again. And they have, to, they, they have the skills to do it. Uh, The problem is the 12-year-old consultants with no experience running around with their little clipboard asking for sharp ratios to cover their ass are missing the best time to enter. They'll be begging to get back into the fund three years from now after it's up 100-plus percent and earning money again after retaking the high-water mark, but they'll have missed the big move. All because the institutional game is more about CYA and checking all the boxes than it is about common sense and seeing the big picture. Watch what Warren does, not what he says. Warren Buffett put a third of his cash hoard, approximately $50 billion to work since the beginning of the year. While others were puking, Warren was shopping. On Thursday, I discussed this and other opportunities to buy deeply, Tuesday rather, Tuesday of this week, just two days ago, deeply um, discussed this and other opportunities to buy deeply discounted stocks and sectors on Fox Business, the Clayman Countdown with Liz Clayman. Thanks to Liz and Ellie Terrett for having me on again. Uh, This was uh, a really uh, fun segment. And it's um, so not the time to go all in, but 100% the time to buy high quality companies and sectors trading at deep discounts due to rates and tightening fears. I covered three key points from the B of A survey. Highest cash balances since 9-11-2021. Most underweight stocks since May of 2020 during the pandemic. Were those both of those buy-sell opportunities or sell opportunities? Would you have wanted to buy tech stocks at, on 9-11 or sell them? Would you uh, buy buy the general market on 9-11 or sell them? You'd probably be up, I don't even know, 8x by now. Uh, Same thing with uh, most underweight since May of 2020 when we were pounding the table to buy. Everyone was puking. We started actually pounding the table earlier than that. Um, Too crowded. The biggest tech short since August 2006. Rallied 42% in the next one and a half years. And then we covered that that oil and commodities are too crowded and short treasuries are too crowded. That's going to reverse. We went through the earnings multiple 17 and a half times this year, 16 times next year, it got lower than that. Um, and then we go through, um, this is very interesting. 2015 to early 2016, two sectors were decimated in anticipation, fear of the tightening cycle that started in 2016, China Tech and Biotech. Uh, We went through this. But here's what's interesting. After the first rate hike in 2015, both Biotech and BABA found their bottoms in early 2016. I think that's happening right now for both of them. The Fed raised eight more times over the next two years. Biotech was up 140%. Alibaba's was up 258% in this two-year period of tightening, eight hikes, plus starting balance sheet roll-off. The moral of the story, the fear of tightening can be worse than the actual tightening itself. We've been early on these two, but adding into weakness regularly as we see a longer-term major inflection starting, they are simply too cheap at these levels. So the sentiment washed out. Here is what I was talking about with tech. Managers are the most short tech since August of 2006. Here's August 2006. What happened next? The NASDAQ was up. 42 percent over the next 18 months managers have the highest level of cash pandemic lows recession 2016 uh june of 2012 the euro crisis and the great financial crisis and 9 11. um uh, they've puked out tech and bonds at the lows and bought into commodities and cash at the highs we expect this to reverse in coming months the boat has become too crowded we know the culprits and now that it's public the drain should be cleared uh, this is the Money Mitch thing you can watch. AAII sentiment was still at 26, very historically bearish. Uh, bearish percent was at 50%. Uh, these are time nine, nine on the CNN fear and greed uh, uh, indicator. This is like, the, these are just layup buy opportunities. You got to deal with the short-term bottoming volatility. And then the uh, last week, the, all the active managers got flushed out. They're down to pandemic lows, 25% equity exposure, like I said. Market's going to go up. They're going to be skeptical. They're going to say it's another fake out. This is a bear market. This is, you know, this bear market rallies are the most violent and it's going to keep going and they're going to be screwed. So, what does it all mean? I tell you, I'll tell you what I told a reporter from Bloomberg who asked the question this morning. Um, quote, well, she said, could I have a comment on the recent market sell off? If you remember, futures were down 500 this, this morning when I was putting out this article. Uh, and, um, how do you see this progressing? Will it last? If so, when do you see it bottoming out? How far can it go down? Uh, How do you position, et cetera? To which I've replied, most of the recent selling in the market had to do with forced liquidations. We saw Melvin Capital release a letter to its investors yesterday that it was winding down the fund and that most of the positions had been liquidated in recent weeks. You saw a number of the Tiger funds down big year to date and aggressively liquidating tech positions. If you go through all the holdings of these funds alone, you will see that where most of the pain has been in recent weeks and months. Um, They have been forced sellers and now that they've taken down billions of exposure, the market can start to find some footing in coming weeks. If you step back and look at earnings, even with all the geopolitical noise, Fed tightening and inflation, earnings are still going to grow over 10 percent this year. We're trading around 17 times 2022 earnings. On the S&P and 15.5 times 2023, this is below the five-year average of 18.6, which includes multiples through previous tightening cycle. We are net buyers of what forced liquidators are selling. There's no way to pick a perfect bottom, but with sentiment washed out and most of the forced selling completed, there's opportunity on a company by company and sector by sector basis. A lot of inventory is on clearance sell these days, and we're shopping. It is our expectation that the next few months should look a lot better than the last few months, etc. So. Moving right along, S&P earnings, top 30 weights. Uh, Carter did this uh, negative 6.9% in the last 60 days, but yet still going to grow. And this is not a weighted sheet. This is just an absolute sheet. So one name can skew it. But uh, on an absolute basis, earnings are still going to grow 10% for the S&P 500 in 2022 currently. Uh, This is the most interesting thing. And I had him check it like five times. So it better be right. Uh, And I think it is. The IBD growth index, so the growth stocks that are earning money that everyone left for dead, not the ones that are not earning money. Um, this is the ticker FFTY. Um, the top 30 weights. Uh, here, by the way, here's the, what the table is telling us so far is that estimates have gone up in the last 60 days. More estimates went up for 2022 in the last 60 days than came down. Here's the ratio. 29 to 1 went up. Versus down, all the growth stocks that were left for dead that sold off because of the, rate, uh, the the elevation of rates from 137 to 320 in five months, of course they sold off. Now the rates are stabilizing and their earnings have gone up in the interim. I think they can get bid. The cumulative earnings power of these 30 stocks increased by 20.65% in the last 60 days. The top 30 weights, cumulative earnings power increased by 20.65 in the past 60 days. Next, next, um, some economic data, the China data has been weak due to the lockdown, obviously. Not quite as weak in some cases as people expected, but definitely weak. Retail sales was worse, obviously. They were stuck in their house. It's amazing how JD did what they did. I'll be eager to see Alibaba, of course. Um, core retail sales were better than expected. The consumer's still relatively strong. Retail sales, if you, if you were a Home Depot shopper, you did great. Somehow, if you went to Target, they didn't have anything you wanted to buy because they got the inventory all wrong. So there you go. I mean, everyone's been saying people want to travel and instead they're trying to sell them video games to stay at home or whatever they were selling was complete wrong inventory. And then they had the unforeseen billion dollars of shipping costs that their competitors did foresee, namely Home Depot and Lowe's. Capacity utilization rate was up. Manufacturing production was up month on month. Industrial production was up month on month. So that's all good. A little bit of draw on the API, a little bit of draw on crude inventories 3.3 million barrels compared to 1.3 build building permits were up um, continuing claims this is actually a good number this continues to come down that's the most important number initial jobless claims came in worse than expected so we'll we'll see what's happening there um and that's all the data we have for there but the key thing is the earnings if you remember last week i was a little concerned 2022 dropped from 230 down to 20 it dropped about a buck now it's back up 24 cents this week so estimates have actually gone back up this week while everyone's so pessimistic which is really good here's what it looks like from last year to this year still at 229.22 and next year 251 has gone up again in the last week so uh that's why the underlying health is there okay a couple questions matt mitchell Tom Hope as well. Thoughts on T Row price currently trading at 120 seems like a potential opportunity as the main driver. They're falling AUM, thus falling fees decline in valuation of the markets as they manage money in given almost two-thirds of their aum is retirement oriented and their funds have a strong history of long-term outperformance appears that their aum at risk due to outflows is relatively lower than competitors strong financial, strong brand, strong historical ability to generate free cash flow and they have encouraging story of rewarding shareholders with dividends and share buybacks thanks and keep up the great work matt i i looked at that i'm not in love with it but i definitely think you're onto something you'd probably leg in here maybe a third of your position, see how it acts over the next couple of months. If we get some stability in the market, that could probably, you know, rip higher, another 20, 25%, Uh, but go in in tranches on that one. Uh, Billy M, I'm inquiring about a credit investor account, would like more information. Okay, I'll, um, yeah, uh, I'll to do that. And Mark Messer, thank you for the hint. So that was on the, be in the know, 10 key reads for Saturday, that was the hint. So with that said, uh, I want to thank everyone for tuning in this week. We're going to be back next week, same time, same place. In the meantime, make it a great one. Bye for now.